We're so grateful to have you on with us on tonight. We're here to talk about depression and talk about uh, life. And we're so grateful to have with us. Yeah, I hear you. I don't hear the music. Okay. I just turned the music down. Dr. Larry Waltower, good evening. How are you? Hey, Doc, are we live? You are live right now. <laughs> hey, man. Okay. What's up? What's up, GMAP1 Broadcasting Network? This is your host, Dr. Larry Waltower. Coming to you live from the broadcasting booth, and we're so grateful to have you tuning in tonight for another episode of Suffering in Silence. Uh, we're coming to you live from York, Pennsylvania, and we have with us tonight, uh, uh, all the way from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, the Reverend Dr. Jerome Simonette. He's the senior pastor of the Restoring Grace Baptist Church, and he's going to be our guest on tonight. Before we get this conversation started, I want to give a shout out to our brother from another mother, the one and the only Kevin Strouder. Kevin, are you still there? Man, you know I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> good, good hearing your voice, man. How's it going in Chi-Town? Chi-Town is doing well, man. You know me. I'm going to sit back, relax, and watch this uh, NFL kickoff on tonight with the Packers and the Bears. And, of course, I'm rooting for my Bears. You know, I'm a, I'm a diehard Bear fan. So, you know, I'm resting, I'm relaxing, and I'm just getting a little excited, man, because I know you have an outstanding program set for tonight. And I am just going to sit back, relax, and accept the blessings as they come. Well, Doc, man, it's always a pleasure having you, man, and we thank God for what you're doing uh, for the Kingdom, man, for GMAP One Broadcasting Network. And for those of you who don't know, uh, this is GMAP One Broadcasting Network, the number one motivational, inspirational platform on the planet. Kevin, thank you so much for what you do, and congratulations to Shy uh, Town and what you do there and what you do for the Kingdom, man. We love you in the Lord, and we love you mightily. Uh, we are so grateful to have with us again on tonight uh, the Reverend Dr. Jerome Simonette. He's the senior pastor of the Restoring Grace uh, Community Baptist Church in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, Doc, are you there? I'm here, my brother. Hey, man, what's going on, Doc? Nothing much. Still trying to hold on to God's hand. Doc, man, that's all we can do, man. Thank God. Uh, as they said back in the days of old, man, I got my hand in the wine and chain, man. Good hearing your voice, Doc. It's always a pleasure, man, uh, talking uh, with you. For those who don't know, uh, I originally uh, started my pastoralship in South Florida, and this young brother, uh, we've been uh, connected uh, over almost 20 years now uh, in ministry, yep. uh, good brother in the Lord, uh, doing a wonderful, wonderful work. Uh, in South Florida. Uh, Dr. Simonette, Dr. Doc, take a few moments, man, and just introduce yourself to the GMAP1 uh, family. Let us know about what you're doing in South Florida and your ministry, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm originally from the Bahamas. Uh, you know, we've had that recent uh, bout there with that hurricane. Um, been in the United States. Um, <clears throat> my, you know, uh, attended University of Louisville and graduated from there. Uh, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Luther Rice, and also uh, have done some teaching. I'm currently a prof uh, adjunct professor at Florida Memorial University, as well as teaching in the public school, in addition to pastoring. So it's just been, um, I'm from a, I'm a PK, 
you know, my great-grandfather was a pastor, <laughs> my grandfather and father and brother and uncle. So I've got a, 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 a church background, but, you know, came to faith in the Lord in Nashville, Tennessee, at Ebenezer Baptist Church. And um, uh, that's been some time ago, 1975. So thank God for that journey through many dangerous toil and snares. But I've, I'm here. So I give God praise. Yes, sir, Doc. Yes, sir, yes, man. Sir. Thank God for his grace and his mercy, man. Uh, and I know, Doc, you're doing a great job down there in South Florida, man. Uh, and, Doc, our prayers go out to you uh, yes. regarding the hurricane, uh, Hurricane Dorian. Uh, Doc, uh, it's just so so heart-wrenching. Uh, did you have any family uh, in, in, in that in that wake? Well, no. My, my immediate family was in Nassau, so they were left relatively unscathed, but I've had some uh, former members who were in Grand Bahama who, um, you know, had to make some shifts even in the middle of the hurricane. One's house was uh, flooded and they had to leave in the middle of a 185-mile-an-hour wind to find someplace else. Um, you know, oh that, was a little bit, that was a little bit more safe. And so um, <clears throat> it's been a few hours since I heard from them, but I I, I pr- trust and pray that they're doing fine. But, you know, this it's devastating. I've been actually in tears every time I see the news report, I, I can't help but shed some tears to, to see, um, you know, just God's people and my people uh, suffering uh, like that. So, you know, we, we solicit your prayers and, and all that you can do out there in Radio Land to, to, to help. It's going to be a long journey getting back to, to some semblance of a normalcy. So we, but God is, God is still good. Yes, sir, Doc. Man, looking at that uh, devastation, man, I'm so reminded of Hurricane Andrew that hit uh, South Florida in uh, 1992. Uh, Doc, we were there in the midst of that hurricane and it wiped uh, Homestead and uh, much of South Florida off the map. And uh, to see uh, what took place in Abaco and um, Grand Bahama, man, our prayers go out. Uh, We're definitely trying to partner up with some of the ministries to do some relief efforts. Uh, to our yes. brothers and sisters um, in um, in the Bahama Islands. But, Doc, yes. man, thank you so much for taking time out to be with us on tonight, man. And we're so excited Absolutely. to have you on, Doc. Uh, you mentioned that you are a PK, Doc. And uh, I know being a PK, man, <laughs> you, 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 you know the ins and outs, the ins and outs of, of worship yes. and uh, the church life. And, uh, Doc, uh, we, we want to talk about how the, 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 the bout of depression uh, really uh, invades the body of Christ, Doc, and uh, I know you've seen a lot. I know you've experienced a lot. Oh, We've yeah. shared our own personal uh, dilemmas with depression. I know you remember Absolutely. I was in South Florida going through that bout with depression, and you Absolutely. was a great voice of encouragement for me and vice versa. So, Doc, I'd like for you to really address um, uh, the, the spirit of depression uh, and, and how you see it uh, invading the house of God and the body of Christ. Well, I mean, I think it's much more widespread than we would um, we would even understand. But because you know of our theological perspective, and sometimes it's the impression that we ought not be sad, and I think that's kind of a that's kind of a superficial or distorted theology to believe that you know that's somehow unchristian or sub-Christian to to acknowledge depression because. It's you know it's 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 a, it's characterized by sadness and some disconnection and you know loss and anger and, and um, that's the human experience and I just think that it's it's not shared as much as it should be. Um, um, as as a PK and a pastor, I had a unique perspective because I think sometimes seeing my own father go through his bouts that would just typically come with 
um, just being a pastor and not really being able to share it with people who would understand because, um, you know, when I was in seminary, we read a book called uh, Walk on Water Syndrome, and they would tell us that we must, in, in essence, be careful not to allow people to put that kind of, to deify us so much that we can't share our humanity. But despite that, mm. you know, encouragement, we still tend to go into those places where we where we hide it and don't have places to share. And and then, and, and certainly it's among our people. I think the people of God are more likely to share it unless they, again, they have that theological view that just somehow makes that not so uh, good to share um, because they be, be, be perceived as not being Christian and not trusting in God. But, you know, Jesus, I think Jesus displayed, with the except of, exception of laughter, I think you can arguably say, but I think he displayed the full range of human emotions. He was in despair, and I would dare say depression, you know. Um, and I think it gives us permission as we see that and we see the Psalms to, to do it. So I've seen it among many, many pastors. I've experienced it myself. And sometimes I've been in a lonely place. And you know, I know you shared your journey with me, and I've uh, certainly seen it with my my own father and the places that he's been uh, when he's when as a, as a pastor. So it's it's very widespread in our churches. Doc, I think you you hit on something so powerful that uh, in the body of Christ, I think we look at it as a weakness when you embrace the fact that you are in a mental health crisis. And yes. uh, it's been my experience that uh, that depression is a spirit. Uh, yes. Isaiah calls it the spirit of heaven. Yes. Yes. And I, I would think, too, um, I, I it's um, translated uh, in our our language as depression, that depression is a spirit. It's a spiritual yes. attack. Yes. I totally agree. And I think I think we have to acknowledge the satanic element in depression too. Um and you know, we certainly know this we certainly know the clinical and uh part of it. Yeah. And uh, where where there may be some biochemical things and we have to deal with psychopharmacology, but there's certainly biblical support for the fact that it may be satanically uh initiated and uh, inspired and um Satan attacks us, he oppresses us. If he can't possess us, he certainly can oppress us. And one of the ways I think that occurs is just through depression, attacking the moods in the mind. And we have to see that as a spiritual battle. It's spiritual warfare. Wow. Do you do you think the body of Christ, uh, and I know you've been in church, and I know the Bible, for those of us who are students of the Word, the Bible addresses that spiritual warfare and yes. uh, being able to recognize satanic attacks when we are when we are under them, do, do you think today's uh, church is equipped to really understand the satanic dynamics of depression? I think some segments of it would be, and I think, but maybe if there's some charismatic Pentecostal aspect to it, they would acknowledge the demonic, the satanic, a little bit more readily than those or perhaps a part of the evangelical movement. And it's not that the evangelicals would not necessarily affirm that there's the satanic, but the connection to things like the mind and the moods, I'm not sure. And I think there's still this tendency, even if it's uh, viewed as mental health, 
anything uh, around that precinct, there's a tendency to to move away from it and find, you know, be a, be sh- a, a bit ashamed. And so people are not willing to come and acknowledge that I have some mental or spiritual disorder going on with my mind as much as they would acknowledge that I have some physical disorder going on with my body. Uh, we tend to embrace the, the physical and the body element much more than we do the mental and the emotional element. I think it's the stigma that's attached to it in the society that's kind of sp- spilled into the church. Wow. Wow. My God. You, you bring up some very interesting points, man, in the body of Christ. Yes. And I think we we have uh, – I, 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 you mentioned something earlier, and I think it's very important. We, mm-hmm. we, we talk about the divinity of Christ, but we really don't see and emphasize his humanity. And yes. uh, you talked a little bit about that Jesus was overwhelmed. And I think the, uh, the, the, what you're dealing with is when he was in the Garden of Eden, I mean the Garden yeah. of Gethsemane. Is yes. that what you're referring to with that that anguish with possibly and, being uh, in despair and under depression at the same time? Yes. Yes. Even on the cross, my God, why has thou forsaken me? That's that's an element of a, that's a sense of abandonment, which then brings, uh, I think, momentary depression. And wh- one of the things we have to understand, even if we're not there uh, permanently or in some point of longevity, we we have to acknowledge that we are we may be there momentarily, and I think it, it's that unwillingness to acknowledge even momentary uh, depression sometimes, unless it's connected to something else, you know, the loss of money or the loss of relationship. Those things are more socially acceptable. The social acceptance is a big piece of this, but clearly Jesus in his humanity experienced, I think, in the Garden of Gethsemane, both on the cross, depression. I would even dare say in other places, he wept over Jerusalem. Uh, he's weeping at the wow. tomb of Lazarus. I think, um, I think, I think certainly we have to, and we don't have to eisegete or read into the text. There's some things that clearly, uh, exegetically, we would be on safe ground to say that there was depression uh, there and his humanity. And uh, so, oh and certainly, the, certainly, the psalmist is loaded with depression, uh, expressions of depression. And uh, again, we don't stay there. But uh, I think mature people acknowledge emotions, but they're not necessarily controlled by emotions. But there, but, but there's even this tendency to not acknowledge the emotions, even in the church, um, and and to label it as depression. Um, and, and something that may be a satanic attack or even may be mental health issues. We, we, we're, we seem to be very reluctant to do that in many, many uh, places in the church. You, you mentioned something, Doc, and it's very interesting. You said that, uh, that we don't deal with emotions, but yet in our worship experience, we're very emotional. Yes. We're quite emotional in our right. worship experience, but we don't deal authentically with emotions. Can you? Can you? Yes. Dive into that a little bit. That's a very interesting. Uh, I, I think I think I, the, the the part that I would attach to that, and I think you bring up a very interesting point, is that it's the socially acceptable emotions that we tend mm. to embrace, but the social the, the the emotions that such as to acknowledge sadness or depression, um, we hesitate to do that because in many uh, 
person's mind, it gives the impression as if, as again, that we're not as Christian, that there were some sub-Christian or even unchristian level to acknowledge that part of our emotional, you know, our humanity. Um, and so, so, so it's almost as if we want to have this kind of plastic, artificial, um, one-dimensional side. If it's the joy, it's the affirmation, it's the up, it's the bright. But when it comes to the dark, to the sadness, to the depression, we tend to reject it or to step away from it or to cover it. Or, and we, you know, hide it with a veneer of religiosity. And so I think that's that's the danger in it all, that we don't have a full orbed expression of our emotions when it comes to Christianity in many, many, many places. And of course, I'm I don't want to speak and universalize it, but I think in a large segment of society, as I've seen, as, again, as a PK, as a pastor, as a minister, I think um, we can clearly say um, we can clearly see that that's that's true. It's been true in my observation. Wow. For those of you who are listening, this is Suffering Against Silence. I'm your host, uh, Dr. Larry Walthar. We're coming to you live from the broadcasting booth here. Uh, and we got with us tonight uh, my very good friend and brother, the Reverend Dr. Jerome Simonette, senior pastor yeah. of the Restoring Grace Community Baptist Church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And we're just having a very candid conversation about yeah. depression and, and, and how it is affecting the body of Christ. Uh, Doc, you mentioned earlier, man, that uh, you're from the Bahamas. And I know a lot of times in the body of Christ, to see such devastation can be depressing, but to live it uh, can be overwhelming. And, 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 and you get many in the body of Christ that may ask the question, why? Uh, why yes. would God allow this to happen? Why would God uh, uh, allow the, the, the storm to stall over the Bahamas and spare yes. Florida? And I know that's our human aspect yes. of it. And uh, it, it can be depressing for those who may be in the, in the Bahamas. Um, yes. Doc, how what how how do we as Christians balance that reality of life by yet trusting in God, but yet dealing with the calamities of things beyond our control? I think first of all, we bring all of the emotions that come out of that experience to God. He can handle it. The other part of that I think is beyond the emotional part is to deal with the the theological part, which requires some building. It's not something that would happen overnight. Is that we have, again, uh, a robust theology that embraces the, the, the dimension of suffering and depression in our Christianity. I mean, I think the book of Job helps us with that. I think looking at uh, Jesus's uh, own life and his own ministry and his own example helps us with that. Um, and to, it, to the bring the reality of dealing with our own emotions helps us with that. I think all of that's important. Um, you know, the, the question would be, you know, my sister who was in the Bahamas, she said something on Facebook. She texted something out, and I, it's been I've been thinking about it. She said that this storm is going to be finished when God is finished. And I thought that was amazing. She's in the middle of it, threatened by it, and she's she made that statement, which I thought was a very uh, profound a theological statement that when God is finished with whatever yeah. he's doing, then the storm is going to be finished. And uh, but there's, the other side, there's the other side of the storm. You know, he has a plan and purpose and it's difficult to see. And even as we're grappling with, with the mystery of that plan, we have to bring our emotions to God. I think the psalmist helps us so much with that. 
is that, um, you know, if we're going to worship, it's got to be spirit and truth. It has to be theology and doxology. It has to be uh, head and heart. And sometimes we we try to disconnect our, our hearts from our heads or the truth of what we've been taught. So I think it's we fight it on both sides. We acknowledge the emotions, that's the heart, but we also have to make sure that we're building it on a robust theological foundation built on truth, the truth of God's word. And, and what I would call uh, the dark side of God, I put quotation marks around that, the, the, the part where, right. we, where we have to deal with suffering, and um, that's not easy. I'm not, this is by no means easy, but I think it's in the past. modern church. That's definitely not the case. No, absolutely not. not. not I think, well, prosperity theologies has something to do with that. I think because we we give again this utopian. Um, we try to have heaven on earth, and um, I don't think I don't think that's the consummation. The consummation is. Uh, you know, uh, is not now. It doesn't happen until Christ's return. Until then, we're right. going to be living in a sin-stained, sick world where we're subject to death, disease, and pain, and depression, and hurricanes. And it's, it's again, it's not easy to to go through. But I think the healthy, theological, emotional, psychological place is to acknowledge it and to bring that to God. And to not, and I would dare say, not only to God, bring, but bring it to other people. And therein lies the rub sometimes in the church, is having that kind of fellowship arena where we could take the mask off, you know. Yeah, and yes, 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 yes. Not have what I, Dr. Osgood, you know, our good friend down here in South Florida, she said, sometimes the church is a perpetual Mardi Gras where everybody's wearing a mask. And, wow. Um, and I, and I think I think it's that unmasking that brings health and healing to us, even with our depression. And going back to something your sister said, and I thought that yes. was very profound. She, yes. She's in the midst of Dorian, in the midst of a 180-mile-per-hour wind, 200-plus-mile-per-hour yes. yes. gust. And yes. she boldly proclaims that this yes. storm will finish when God is finished. Yes, what she said. Wow, and it was it was creeping to one mile an hour. Yeah, it was very profound because the where she was in Nassau was in the midst of the uh, the hurricane warning. It was not just a watch; they were they were getting the fringes of it, and uh, you know one toggle here or there. But she, uh, you know, they experienced some flooding. They experienced some light light things out, and but uh, certainly not as much as Grand Bahama. It was I thought it was a very profound statement. She said, "She said this storm will be finished when God is finished." And then, wow. um, then the, it was interesting. It stayed there one mile an hour. We could outwalk that, you know. And then it took off. And um, I think there's something very insightful and profound to uh, to that statement that she made. Doc, that, that's profound, man. That's that's very much so. That's that's meat, Doc. That's that's not yes. milk. That's the meat. And, and that and that goes to having an experience with God that goes beyond uh, just faith. That's trust. That's, that's, right. that's trust in action. Uh, you, you, you bring to light uh, so many dynamics of, of, of this faith walk, and you talked about the, the impact that prosperity gospel has mm-hmm. made on the body of Christ mm-hmm. um, to the extent that we try to have heaven on earth. And yes. what good is going to heaven if you have yes. heaven here already? Right. Um, and that is, that, is very, that is very dangerous because that is not a biblical theology. That is, yes. that is new age. 
uh, ideology right. where heaven is on earth. Um, right. But but in the midst of of what is happening in the body of Christ, and we see this 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 uh, opioid crisis that's going on yes. now. Yes. And that's not just people who don't know God. That's people who are in the body of Christ resorting yes. to opioid use or yes. uh, having legitimate pain issues and getting addicted yes. um, through legitimate means. Um, yes. you, you mentioned uh, that, and, and for those who don't know, uh, not only is Dr. Simonet a profound uh, pastor, he's also a, a gifted, trained uh, musician. Uh, plays uh, the keyboard, plays the piano, plays Hammond organ, plays pipe organ, writes, reads, teaches, directs. He is just a jewel to the body of Christ, a clinician, uh, if you will, in music. Uh, and Doc, because of your music uh, background, I would like for you to try to find some balance in this conversation because music is, okay. is a ministry within itself. And yes. I know uh, as a clinician, many times, uh, God gives you a song through many yes. of your experiences in terms of, of of the dry seasons of our lives. What 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 role have you seen praise in your life play in in, in getting you through those dark those dark moments? Well, um, I mean, I think certainly just it it because it it refocuses our attention on God and not just the existential stuff. And I don't think it's just so much a, an attempt to use God as a drug, if you will, but it helps us to kind of place mm. things in the right, in the right, in the right order. I, 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 you know, you, you know, this is a theologian and a preacher pastor that none of this is rightly ordered. If, if we don't get that vertical dimension, right. Um, yes, you know, the model prayer starts with God. It's, it's vertical. The 10 commandments is vertical. Um, even before, God gives the Ten Commandments, he, he goes to the indicative before he goes to the imperative. He tells people who he is. And I think it has to be that refocusing on God, who he is, and so that we can rightly position ourselves, um, you know, with, uh, as we're going through, as we're going through things. There's not only a theological element to that, again, it helps emotionally. Um, but that, but that, that emotional response must come out of the awareness of the truth of who God is. He is God. He's the creator. I'm the creature. He's in control. He's sovereign. He has a right to do whatever he wants to do, even with me. And, mm. um, and, uh, and all of, <laughs> he has a plan. He has a plan and a purpose, even for my life, even though I can't see it. And that helps me. T- now, again, this is not a straight um, one of the things I learned and deal with my own discouragement and depression in my life, and particularly the times when I got hit with major, major painful experiences, was that um, this journey is messy. It's uh, If we're looking for some kind of straight, orderly, uh, wow. sequential um, line, it, it's that that usually that's usually not. The way of God. It's 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 messy. It's an ebb and a flow. It's a blip on the screen and then it's off. And so I'm saying it, and it sounds maybe to some people to be a little bit clinical, but I'm I'm suggesting that as I'm processing through that though that reality, that even the bloodiness of it, if I can use that word, it's going to prove to be very helpful for me 
and and it's going to inform and it's going to make my praise even that much more vital. I I pray I play differently even when I'm going through difficulties and trying to praise through it. And I realize in studying Job that sometimes wow. you have to there has to be the fusion of weeping and worshiping. You know, Job weeps but then he worships and where we have to praise when we, even when the Lord gives, and then we still praise when the Lord takes away. And we're still able to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. So for me, praise has been, rightly ordered praise has been extremely helpful in uh, helping me to, you know, reset myself and refocus myself on the right path. Um, musically too. There have been times I've had to go into sanctuary and play myself and it becomes therapeutic, if you will, for me as I'm playing, not even singing, as I'm just playing and the uh, right harmonic structures are uh, resonating with the emotions that I feel within myself and that becomes therapy for me. So it's 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 very, very helpful and very critical. Wow. Yeah. Wow, you, you you talk about that that uh, correlation between weeping and worshiping, and yes. um, I think many times in the body of Christ we we miss the fact that God empowers us to worship through being wounded. That yes. depression is a wounding in our lives. It is a dry yes. season. It it can be very painful, and yes. you talk about the messiness of it. But the altar is a messy place. There's Absolutely. nothing. Uh, unmessy about sacrifice. Absolutely. Sacrifice itself is a messy experience. Absolutely. And the word of God reminds us that, that we must present our bodies a living sacrifice. That's, Absolutely. that's messy. Absolutely. And if, if, if I'm going to put myself on the altar of sacrifice, Absolutely. then I have to understand that God uses the mess as a ministry yes. for miracles. Yes. Um, yes. You, you mentioned wow. that um, you, you worship differently. Uh, you play differently um, when you've been hit, you know, yes. by unexpected uh, yes. things in life. Uh, Doc, t- talk a- talk a little bit about the unexpected hits. Um, in what in what dimension are you thinking about it? When just, you talk about I- because a lot of times, a lot of times people are blindsided by situations and they don't know what to do. Uh, Absolutely. How do you pick up the piece? Uh, so, so I'm interested in this. How did you learn how to trust God in the midst of being blindsided? Um, I think because my natural reflex for me in 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 great times, and as it is, I think with others, but even for me, was to to seek God, go to God, looking first of all for relief, but then as I'm looking for relief, I begin to I begin to gain perspective on God, myself, and that particular situation. And so, and, 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 mm-hmm. and having done that, I realized the importance of what I would call uh, being, you know, staying connected and prepared uh, and putting the armor on before the battle. Um, and, 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 but it, 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 it runs me to God and it, it, it deepens my relationship, not just because I'm trying to get relief, but you know, I, I found in my experience that the times that I got hurt the most, or I was depressed the most, or discouraged the most, were the times where I had my greatest spiritual growth with God, because it's when I really came to understand who God was. And so, having gone through several of those cycles in my life, I now uh, 
begin to appreciate them a little bit more and to prepare myself so I'm not completely knocked off track. Now, try as you may, I, I think you know this as a pastor in your own experience, we can never really prepare for everything because there's some things that God's going to do and he's going to do, he's going to do it in a way that we've never seen before. And we may not even be aware that God's in the midst. You know, I, I told my church several times when Jesus came on the water, walking to the disciples, they thought he was a ghost. But an interesting thing is he was appearing to them in the middle of that storm in a way that they've never seen before. So they have no frame of reference for that. And I think that's the thing. The, the, the familiar is God. The familiar is the word. The familiar is prayer. The familiar is your faith in God. But also there's an unfamiliar part that I think God designs to teach us something about him. So there's a familiarity wow. and an unfamiliarity and a mystery in the midst of suffering, even when it's unexpected. And I think God designs it that way so that we can learn something new about him. It's it's a dangerous so prayer when we say God grow me. Hmm? So so basically you're saying that all of us come to a point in our walk with God that we experience things from which we have no frame of reference. That no we have frame of reference. Absolutely. And I think he designs it with that bit of mystery, uh, be, because if again, then f there would be no requirement for faith. But God will bring every one of us to a place where He will work in our lives in such a in a way that we've never seen before. And all we can do is just simply trust Him. You know, I think that's I think that's the essence of Proverbs three: trust in the Lord with all your heart. And this part is very critical: lean not to your own understanding. Um, you know, and I think and, that's where we miss it. Yes. I think that's where we miss it. We miss it right there. Yes. We, we start trying to rationalize um, things based on our own understanding of the yes. situation yes. and not our understanding of God. Absolutely. Wow, that's powerful right there. That's, oh my God. And even, you know, and, and, and I would, I would, I think you opened up something there very profound. And I would say sometimes we have to acknowledge that even our understanding of God is limited for that particular situation. You know, the disciples in that storm experience had some experience with Jesus, but they've never had a walking on water experience with Jesus. So even wow. to depend on their understanding of him, there, there has to be some acknowledgement that that's even limited. And, um, you know, I would, I would say, I remember a preacher telling me this, actually, he was just speaking and commenting in general, but it was really applying to me. He did not know it. He said, you must be very careful when you're praying to God that you don't decide how God should work it out. Because if the Lord does not do it that way, then you will draw the conclusion that God must not be working. And I, I never forgot that. I never forgot that statement because even my understanding of God will be limited and will be inadequate in some of the things that he's going to providentially arrange for my life. That will be unexpected to me, but not unexpected to him. Wow. Yes. My God, what a powerful insight. And so yes. even those seasons of our lives where we come to that point of which we have no reference point, yes. uh, God uses those experiences to further our understanding of him to another dimension. Yes. 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 That's, you know, that, that, that's, that's how, that's how we come to 
trust to understand him a little more, not, not ever completely because we still see through a glass darkly. And, and then he'll have something else arranged down the road that will be unexpected. And, um, and, and, and no matter what we've learned, even what we've now learned will not be sufficient for this new experience. And uh, there's a familiarity and an unfamiliarity occurring at the same time. And how God fuses that together, only God can do that. That that kind of reminds me of what Paul says in, I think, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, for now we mm. see through a glass darkly. Absolutely, But, but yes. then face to face. Yes. And it is, it is through the darkness yes. that we get to the point of yes. understanding yes. the experience on a face-to-face level. Yes, 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 yes. I think you're doing the body of Christ a tremendous service, Pastor, if I may say so, in raising this issue, because I think it will help many of us in the body of Christ, and I dare say even perhaps some preacher pastors, not only parishioners and lay people, persons, if you will, to to have a broader, deeper understanding of this you know, our humanity and the nature of God. And I think we would begin to see some passages in scripture and some books even in a, in a whole new different light when we understand and acknowledge this part of our Christianity and our theology. And um, so I, I thank God for what you're doing and the issues that you're raising, you know, the, the, the health and healing that it's going to bring to people and the insight it's going to, to, to bring to others you know, theologically and biblically. Thank God for that. Doc, thank God for you, man, and thank God That's for the conversation. Because this this conversation, man, it has to be had. And I'm learning, man, that there are there are hundreds thousands of Christians, hundreds yes. of thousands, who even in the midst of the worship experience are depressed. yes, absolutely. And, and we have we have reduced worship. Yes. to uh, a Sunday morning exercise. Yes, absolutely. That, absolutely. That, that is not necessarily transformative. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, Pastor, we're going to have to go back to, I think we're going to have to go back to understanding uh, a little bit more how God reveals himself, how he reveals Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit, what scripture teaches us about God, and even about the church and the nature of the church. Um, you know, one of my friends, he's in Jamaica. He's a very, very powerful brother, very in, insightful, incisive thinker. He said that the orthodox has now become the radical. And I think wow. it's true that that what we see in terms of not just evangelical orthodoxy, but biblical orthodoxy is now seems radical to the modern church. Well, that's something something's mm. wrong with that. It should seem radical to the world, but not to the church. That means it tells us clearly that there has to be some adjustments and changes and transformation made um, so that we can find ourselves more aligned with scripture and the whole counsel of God, not just joy, but also sorrow, not just the blessings, but also the depression and the hits and the loss and the storms, you know, not just the Old Testament, but the New Testament, not just law, but grace and not just Christian doctrine, but Christian living. So that there's the whole counsel of God. 
and we, we can understand that there are times that sadness and depression is a part of my spiritual journey, and that is not an inauthentic journey. That's an authentic uh, journey. That's that's. I'm not, I'm no less Christian when I'm expressing that or I'm moving through that. Um, yes, sir. Um, yeah, 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 and and I, and I may I may be there even for a few days or weeks or months, but it doesn't make me less Christian if I'm bringing that to God and I'm grappling with that with the truth of God's word. Wow. So I think it's I think it's a powerful thing you're doing here. Hey Amen. Thank you so much, Doc, and thank you yeah, for brother. what you're doing. I know you have, you have a broadcast in South Florida that you do, and I know yeah. uh, the conversation that you do, man, brings much healing and wholeness to the body of Christ. Uh, Doc, I, I remember going uh, having a conversation with one of our members here at the Shallow Baptist Church up in York, and uh, we were just talking, man, and uh, this young lady said something so profound. Yes. She said, I give myself three days. She mm. said, I give myself three days, and after three days, I'm coming out of whatever I'm in. She mm. said, Christ was in the grave for three days, and after that, he get, he, he experienced resurrection. Mm. And I thought that was so profound. Because what what she was not denying the fact that we all have those seasons of depression and despair, mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but she made a declaration that right. I, I'm I'm not going to deny that I get depressed, but what I will not allow myself to do is to allow depression to get me. That 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 yes, I have those seasons where I feel down, but but I understand resurrection is the outcome yes. for every crucifixion in my life. And I think yes. I think that, that that message of Calvary has to be has to be shared. Yeah, and I think Nehemiah went through something like that when he was weeping over the walls of Jerusalem and he said he grieved so he wept certain days. I think it was some limitations to that. And and I, I and I I love the affirmation that, that the sister's making. And I would add just this little piece or not even not even it's not even a disclaimer, that's not the right word, but to say that all of that is has to be rooted in the power, the word, the spirit of God, and the impetus for that has to be that there's a certain limitation for, for our ability to pull ourselves out of that, but we have to use the strength that God has given us, you know, and, yes, and allow us, you know, and, and I, so I appreciate what she's saying and the way she's thinking about that, that we don't want to, and if you notice earlier, I was saying that we have to acknowledge it, but we don't need to be controlled by it. When I was talking about this issue exactly. of pressure, and I think that's, that's what God, I think that's the, that's the failure point. It's not living there, but acknowledging it and calling it as it is, you know, um, and it's, sometimes we, we hear people take that verse and, and uh, misapply it or misinterpret it. You know, we, we're going to uh, call those, speak those things that are not as, you, you know, the verse, but, the, but the, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think, I think that what's problematic about it is we skip over the first part and just saying, um, but he, here's what's really going on with me. I'm depressed. I'm discouraged. I'm having this, 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 my mood swings. I'm sad. I'm disconnected. I'm having some feelings I don't understand. I'm having some thoughts that seem to not be healthy. And I'm doing some things that are not so healthy. We, we have to acknowledge um, we have to acknowledge the bad news so that we can receive the good news. Um, good news is not good news unless we have some bad news first. Yes, sir. And, yes, sir. Yeah. This, and then the solution is Christ, of course, for that. You know, and we, we, we come to him. Um, 
you know, and so I, I love, I love her thinking and I love that, 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 that attempt, that acknowledgement and the need to bring some into that at some point and bring it to bring it before the cross. So I thank God for that. I like what you said, Doc, uh, um, earlier in terms of understanding uh, uh, that that uh, there's a turnaround. There's a point in our lives that God is, uh, it, it's a turnaround. And we just have to understand that God is sovereign and God is in control and, yes. and to trust him uh, with the outcomes. Um, yes. and, and for those of you who are listening, I'm your host, Dr. Larry Walthour. This is Suffering and Silence, and we're talking uh, to yes. my good friend and brother, uh, the senior pastor of the Restoring Faith uh, Community Baptist Church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, the Reverend yeah. Dr. Jerome Simonette. And if you're yes. interested in calling into this particular, uh, being a part of this conversation, uh, you can call area code 302-202-1110 and hit the uh, access uh, code 538-661. And you can be a part of this conversation. So if you're listening and you want to share your experience and get in on this conversation live, uh, uh, feel free to do so. We would love to hear from you again. Uh, that number is 302-202-1110, uh, access code 538661. And uh, mm-hmm. tune in, uh, call in, and we would love to, to talk with you as well. Uh, Doc, this 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 uh, thing of, of depression is an epidemic yes. in, in the body of Christ. And, yes. and so many uh, believers have thrown in the, in the towel. And one thing you said earlier about, about being depressed, it, it affects our thinking. Yes. And, and, and our thinking has a lot to do with our behavior. As a man thinketh, so is he. And so yes. when, our, when, when, when we're depressed and we're at that dry place, we don't think holistically or soberly. And the mm-hmm. enemy now plays uh, with the battleground of our mind. Uh, yes. I, I talk a little bit about uh, how to maintain um, a, a positive grip in a negative situation in terms of going through uh, life's challenges. Yeah, I, I think one of the first things that we have to, um, and, and I want to back up and say something. You mentioned it in the outset. One of the first things we have to deal with with this issue of depression is to determine what the source of it is. Because if we make uh, the wrong diagnosis, we can we can write the wrong prescription. Is it demonic? Is it psychiatric? So, you know, is it a spiritual? Is it an issue of spiritual uh, discernment or uh, something to that? And 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 all of that's very important. That's where a pastor who's who's uh, has some training or some insight or can uh, lead someone to that. Um, it's not it's not wrong for people to seek help. It's not a sign of weakness. Indeed, it's a sign of strength to acknowledge it and to go find the help from the persons who can do it. Perhaps to, as a Christian psychologist, you may need to go to and say, listen, I'm going through this. And somebody who is adept at and who would acknowledge all of the uh, potential aspects of that um, of that depression. The manifestation may be depression, but the root source can be from so many different places. Having said exactly. that, I think once we identify that, it's so much easier because if that depression is clinical and it's we need medication, there's no need to be embarrassed about that. It's like someone taking it for high blood pressure or diabetes or uh, 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 dozens of other ailments that we do. But as I said, in the church, we've not done a good job sometimes of helping people to be 
uh, shame-free, if you will, when it comes to the acknowledgement of things on the mental, emotional side, as as it is so much on the physical side. We we tend to we tend to embrace physical ailments, and they're not as socially, um, you know, suspect as somebody who's who's wrestling with with mental, emotional stuff. And so I, I I would want to I would want to say that quickly, just as a matter of of acknowledging, you know, in our conversation, what you said at the beginning, that identifying what's the root cause is so important to to addressing what's really going on. But, um, you know, going to a pastor and finding, you know, and, and, and let me, and I'll, I'll go here with this from, I remember some years ago being called by a mother uh, because she thought her daughter had, and this mother was not a member of my church, but um, um, she was, she was connected to a friend of mine who was a preacher, but he was not pastoring. And he wanted this. She thought her daughter was possessed with a demon. As it turned wow. out, she wasn't, wow. but she had some depressing things going on. And it was, it was a good thing that I had some training and background in that, and he did too, that we could get her the help that she needed to deal with her depression. But the mother was making one diagnosis, and the reality is that it was something else. It was depression, but it was being um, inflicted from someplace else. And so I think that's so important for people who are listening to you to really get, get, a, get a grip on that. I think you bring up something very important uh, because yeah. a lot of times as pastors, we have biblical counseling, but we yes. don't have clinical counseling. Absolutely. And it's been my experience, and I'm going back to further my, my understanding and my skill set yes. in clinical counseling. Yes. Yes. Biblical yes. counseling is only effective when you identify the root cause of the pain. Yes. Until, until you identify what that is, uh, to apply biblical counseling to something that you really don't know what the origin of is putting a Band-Aid on something yes. that needs surgery. Yes. And when you look at our people culturally, mm-hmm. from the mm-hmm. systemic aspect of slavery, uh, mm-hmm. segregation, uh, inequalities, inequity, and the social traumas that we deal mm-hmm. with as a people mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. a daily basis, mm-hmm. it is not without reason that even in our Christianity, we deal mm-hmm. with trauma. Mm-hmm. We, we, we come to Christ out of a sense, not necessarily out of crisis, but definitely mm-hmm. dealing with social trauma, uh, cultural trauma, systemic Absolutely. trauma. Absolutely. And I think what we've tried to do in the church, we've tried to shout over our pain. Absolutely. We, we, we've tried to, you know, uh, uh, dance and name yes. it and claim it over our yes. praise and over yes. our problems. Yes. And yes. we have yes. been in a sense of denial. Absolutely. And 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 Christ says that we have to yes. worship in spirit and in truth, which means yes. that there yes. comes a point I've got to identify the truth about myself. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in you know, my work, I think in my work. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. You know, Christ uh, healed a man's eyes. And he made a spittle. I, I would, I would argue that that was medicine. It was, it was, you know, it was that was his pharmacy. And sometimes, uh, as our, you know, great uh, mentor, Doctor Me- late Doctor Mectincar would say, we need prayer and pills, not simply yeah. prayer. Well, if if someone has is dealing with schizophrenia, and they're in some kind of catatonic state, and that's biochemical, then they need to take medication so that they're so they can be freed from that 
organic, physical, psychological, mental, emotional uh, state. And then we can then come and offer the support to bring additional clarity. And that's why I was saying earlier that I think sometimes we make the wrong diagnosis. So then we um, consequently prescribe the, the, the incorrect prescription. And so uh, I think you made a very, very valid point. And then that's why I pointed out to the issue of Christian psychiatrists and Christian psychologists. Yeah. In addition to your pastor, you don't, certainly do not want to disconnect from a pastor. Um, right. And you and we're both pastors, so we're not advocating that. But we are advocating that there's a dimension of truth that's needed that can come from a Christian psychologist, a Christian uh, psych, a psychiatrist. And it is the truth, all of it's God's truth, that sets us free. It's all of it's God's truth. Yeah, so yes. It goes to that level of training. You mentioned earlier that you have yes. some experience with the clinical. Yes. And yes. those, but I, I believe that God uses medical science. I believe you can yes, have Christ does. and a counselor. Absolutely. I believe you can have a testimony and a therapist. Uh, and it does not mean you're not Holy Ghost filled. That's right. Um, what, it, what it does mean is that God uses different methodologies to come alongside Absolutely. of us and give us, give us help, which Absolutely. is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Um, and I think, I think, I think in, the, in the African-American church, we have done mm-hmm. a very, we, we have done a disservice. To our yes. congregations, because yes. we have not embraced the reality that depression, mental health issues are yes. real. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and, and I think many times we have in our churches diagnosed people who may have had uh, tendencies that we thought were demonic. And yes. maybe it was a lack of medication or a lack absolutely. of something that they needed. Absolutely. And, and, and we weren't trained enough to be able to differentiate the difference. To, re- to recognize it, and I think in so doing, we do more harm than we do help. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, um, um, I don't know if I should, we had a, a the church and the men- and mental health conference in our church. We brought in some, um, you know, pastors and trained therapists, Christ- all of them are Christians, and I kind of stood in between the, the two and just watched and observed as they were talking and sharing. And it was, it was very interesting to see the connection between it all mm-hmm. and to know that it could be helpful. And what we were trying to do was just to make the knowledge available, but also to try to remove the stigma that may be present even in our African-American communities and churches when it comes to the issues of mental health and depression. And to say that the acknowledging of it does not make you less Christian um, right. or um, ungodly, or as you said, we're not spirit-filled. We're not led by spirit. I, I, indeed, I think you're more spirit-filled and spirit-led if you acknowledge that that truth. All truth is God's truth. All truth wow. is God's truth. Yeah, all truth is God's truth. Wow, that, that's a very powerful in, in, insight, Doc, in terms of uh, really embracing this conversation and yes. moving to a place of, of not just healing, but wholeness. Um, I, I've come to realize that uh, God doesn't want us just to be healed. He wants us to be made That's whole. Right. And, and there's a big difference. There's a big difference between the two. Uh, one yes. thing I, I, we, we're doing here at Shiloh, I'm sure you do the same in, in South Florida. Mm-hmm. God, God yes. has blessed us to have clinical counselors here in, in the ministry. Amen. For Amen. And trained. 
Yes. And what we have done here, we've began to tap into those resources to yes. do counseling. Yes. So so there are some levels of counseling that I don't do. Uh, yes. I, I, I assign them to clinical counselors who yes. are trained yes. to ask the right questions yes. uh, and get the right results and put them on the right road. And it makes the church more healthy. It makes our so. ministry a lot more healthy. Absolutely. I agree. I totally agree. We have we have in our church uh, three social workers. One of them, I think, is a clinical social worker. But um, I've been able to tap into a lot of resources in terms of the psychiatric stuff and, um, you know, and and the medical, because I think recognizing it helps people to get the help that they need. And, and this is even true in teaching in public schools, you know, um, that sometimes we're dealing with students um, that we see some academic issues with, but the, but the underlying, um, um, you know, s- the symptomologies of it, we is is connected to something that may be more uh, clinical or, or or mental or emotional, and we need to identify wow. them, get them in the right place so they can be helped. And a lot of times we're mislabeling these kids, or we're quick to put them on medication when they really don't need meds, or we're not so quick to put them on meds or to encourage the parents to put them on it if they need it. So I think it's so important that we are at least aware of the whole spectrum of help that's available and the whole spectrum of, of causative factors that may be causing the depression so that we can help people in the church, in the body of Christ, those who come to us for ministry to find the right help so that they can be, as you said, not only healed, but whole. You know, and I appreciate that so much, that, def- that difference that you make. I, I've learned, Doc, that, uh, and I, I teach this because I've experienced it, that uh, anything that you are healed from, it can come yes. back on you. Absolutely. You know, you're from the cold, the cold can return. You, you're healed yes. from the flu, the flu yes. can return. You're healed from a, a disease, that yes. disease can return. But anything that, that God has made you whole from, it yes. never has power over you again. Uh, something God. else may come, but that thing will yes. never have power over you again. Praise and I God. think we we settled for healing My when God, God wants to give us wholeness. Wants to give us wholeness. You know, we, Amen. He wants us to have, you, you, in Scripture. You never see Jesus ask anybody to my mm-hmm. regulation, and I, mm-hmm. I don't think there's not one. The only case that I do. Recall is that he 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 responded to someone who asked him to come and heal him, and, mm-hmm. and he said, "I will come and heal him." I think that was the centurion's son. But anytime uh-huh. Jesus initiated the, mm-hmm. the the conversation, he always mm-hmm. said, "Do you want to be made whole? Will wow. thou be made whole?" And I yes. think that is very telling. That's that, it, that's, that it, that's, that's interesting. Is the, yeah, Jesus, who is the master healer, the great yes. physician, he yes. never asked. If they wanted to be healed, and he always asked, "Do you want to be made whole?" And I think Do you want to be, uh, yes. what, we've done, what we've done in the body of Christ, we have settled wow. for being healed, and we yes. go through these cycles of symptomatic attacks because yes. God heals us, but yes. we're attacked by the same thing over and over again. And yes. and God wants to make us whole from depression. He wants yes. to make us whole from suicidal thoughts. He wants to make that. us whole of the hurt and the pain yes. of rejection and frustration yes. and so many other things that's that uh that's in our society. You yes. mentioned um 
about uh, being a being a public school uh, instructor mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. a, a professor on college campus. Uh, yes. The last week, last week we talked about uh, the areas uh, of of concern for our youth and society, and yes. the five five top things that that teenagers were saying that their concerns mm -hmm. are was depression, anxiety, mm -hmm. uh, bullying. Um, those were the top three. Depression. Wow. These are teenagers. Right. Uh, depression was number one. Mm -hmm. Anxiety. Was Number two, bullying was number three, and then the opioid crisis. Being in the public system and a college professor, what have you observed has been the impact of depression, anxiety, suicide, etc., in the lives of our young people? I think it's increasing, and I think to some degree, I hate to say this, but I think it to some degree, um, um, these are these are particularly depression, anxiety, and worry, uh, and probably the opioids. I think in some ways the, the universities may be contributing to it, and, and I, I mean that in this way. It may be an inadvertent because we've, we've, we started a movement a few, and I don't think it was intentional, but this movement where we put emotion and, and over truth. And so subsequently we, we begin to, to, to develop uh, this younger generation, particularly millennials, who are, I would say are, are coddled and have not been toughened a lot emotionally and psychologically. And uh, what happens is that they're not prepared to deal with the college environment or and they're not always prepared to deal with the environment after because they have not been toughened, if you will. And the way to do that is you expose people to some difficulty with – of course, it's it's by their um, you know their permission, and it's not something that's abusive and destructive and immoral and unethical. But but you but but, but the, the, I think I think that's we've, we're kind of we're kind of weakening inadvertently some of our kids. If you notice, a few years ago, it's probably somewhere around 2013, 14, we began to see the increase on talks about suicide and also bullying, yeah. and um, yeah. and I think that's a direct result. And, and why I say the universities, because that kind of philosophy began to enter into our social science programs, even to some degree, psychology, and even to some degree, education. And um, and it, as those people go out, they become, if you will, disciples of that kind of worldview, that kind of uh, thing, where truth is now being suppressed and emotion is being raised that that becomes that's a dangerous trend. Um, I'm not sure we're going to turn it on, turn it around anytime soon. Um, it, it, it kind of feeds on itself because we bring those kids to the school and, and they, they experience difficulty in the university. And then um, they leave the universities and they sometimes trying to create a perpetual university. Uh, university wow. environment in a real world, and you—they're trying to extend the university experience out in the real world, and that just—that—that—that that, that makes them ill-prepared to deal with the potential traumas of the real world. That's inevitably <laughs> going to come because because we have an evil world that we live in, and so wow. Um, I think um, again, you said it earlier, truth. We, we, we've, that's been a recurring theme, and, and I don't know if it's been intentional, but it's certainly been uh, very obvious. Truth, we must 
deal with truth and allow that truth to inform our emotions and, and not the other way around where we allow our emotions to, to distort truth. And so I think wow. that's, that's, that's the way we have to go with that with universities, with public school. And I'm certified K through 12. I've been in, I've been in Christian schools. I've been in Catholic schools, charter schools. I've been in high school. I've taught science. I've taught music, I've taught religion. So I've taught everywhere from preschool all the way up to the university. And so I've and had a chance to see this. Yeah, Catholic schools, Christian schools, charter schools, public schools, uh, Title One schools in the inner city, the urban thing. I've you know so um, I'm I'm speaking that from observation, and I think some research would support it too. But um, uh, yeah, so we you you raise a very profound question there about that. Yeah, but wow. it comes back to what you said earlier. Truth is important. Truth is important. For those of you who are listening, this is Suffering and Silence. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Walter, and we are talking to my good friend and brother down in South Florida, uh, the uh, senior pastor of the Restoring Grace Community Baptist Church, the Reverend Dr. Uh, Jerome Simonette. And we're just having a very candid conversation. Uh, if you're interested in, t- in, in calling in and having your voice heard and being a part of this conversation, if you have a question, a comment, concern, or we want to share an experience, you can call area code 302. 302- Two zero two one 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 zero at extension five three eight six six one. And for those who listen on a regular basis, you know we usually uh, uh, close out at nine o'clock. But our executive producer, uh, Pastor Kevin Stroud, has given us more time on tonight, and he's allowed us to go to nine thirty uh, Eastern uh, time and uh, eight thirty Central uh, time. So, Pastor, uh, are you able to stay with us until eight uh, thirty? I can probably nine thirty about nine fifteen. Okay. All right. Well, Doc, yeah. we'd love to have your voice, and so we're gonna we're gonna continue this conversation, yes. Pastor. Uh, you yes. you you raised some very uh, pertinent points. I want to go back to uh, because on, on this conversation, we always try to steer the listener to the word. Yes. And uh, and you talked about uh, uh, Jesus having uh, dealt with various uh, emotional challenges, despair, yes. expression, anxiety, yes. um, yes. um, etc. Uh, and the Bible, there, there there are a lot of scriptures that deal with um, uh, overcoming uh, heartache and overcoming pain. Uh, one, 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 one such passage, uh, and we know many of the prophets suffer from depression. I believe yes. Elijah is yes. one. Uh, Jeremiah yes. and others yes. uh, suffer yes. from uh, uh, depression. But 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 in in that Psalm um, Psalm twenty seven, and oftentimes. Uh, use this in my uh, view. I think this is a, a a a light of hope in a dark, depressing situation. Yeah. David yeah. said, "Lord is my light," and I believe yeah. he says that because you look at the history of this psalm. He was in a dark place. He was in despair, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he says, "The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear?" And yeah. I want to I want to talk about that fear because right. if the enemy can arrest you with fear. Absolutely. Keep you in a state of depression. Doc, I want you to talk to our our listeners about overcoming the fear factor. I think I think you I think you allude to it right in that verse because when because David's emphasis in there is on the Lord, who is his light and his salvation, and it's and it's not only it's not only the salvation from sins, but the salvation from that with which threatens him on any level. And, mm-hmm. and and he, he constantly repeats that the Lord, his focus is on the sovereign God, who is his light, 
as opposed to darkness, who is his salvation, who is his strength, who is his strong tower. And and he says, of whom shall I be afraid? And the, the, the counteracting agent there is the focus on the Lord. And I think as we focus, and I, I come think, I think about Peter too on this storm, you know, when he's, when he, as he's putting his mind on the Savior instead of the storm, faith is increased. And when he puts his attention on the storm, fear is increased. And here David wow. gives us the, gives us the solution. Focus on the sovereign uh, one of 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 the universe, and that's God Himself. And you, we were saying this earlier. I think that's that's the place um, to to have a robust, vibrant view of who God is. And and I would often say this when I deal with worship, not the God that we create in our own image, um, but the God who's who's revealed himself. Sometimes we create God in our image instead of um, allowing God to be the one who created this in his image. We create God in our image. And and he's he's revealing God for who he is. And that's the that's the counter for his fear. And that's what we must do when whatever we're facing, whether it's depression, um, as you said, those um, unexpected uh, circumstances or difficulties that can arise in our lives, um, we the reflex must be focus on God, focus wow. on God. That 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 has to be your natural reflex. Wow, uh, so the Lord is my light. So that's that's yes. that's my focus. Yes. In my salvation, yes. of whom shall I fear? The yes. Lord is the strength of my life. Yes. Of whom of shall whom I be afraid? Focus on so him, you yes. Deal, you deal with the focus, the fear, and the faith. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And, 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 and he, he, saying. the Lord is the strength that, that yes. I have faith in his strength. I have yes. faith in what he's able to do. Not my own yes. strength. Yes, but his strength. Yes, that's right. Wow. And then, and wow. then he repeats it. He says, "Though, though, though a host shall encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. And 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 though war rise against me, in this will I be confident." And and what he's referring back to is that the Lord is his light and his salvation. He's got confidence in the power of God. And he continues to focus in on God. He said, "I want to. I have some desires of the Lord." I want to be in the house of the Lord. I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. See, see all of that is that this the centrality of the Lord is in all of this in all of that all of this psalm. You know, um the house of the Lord, the beauty of the Lord. <laughs> wow. That's 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 very, very his pavilion, his tabernacle. Uh, that that's David, David's focus is is on him. And you asked the thing about praise earlier, because I think I think in, in Psalm in, in Psalm twenty seven somewhere around verse six he talks about um, I will you know offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of God of joy, and he oh, yeah. and he says I will sing and I will sing praises unto the Lord, he, even though enemies may be around me, even though there may be a host in camp. I'm still going to offer sacrifice. The focus, though, is on God. So this is this is a worship of God in spirit and in truth because His theology drives His doxology. And, Doc, what's and, so important? One, one uh, thing that you bring out. Hello. Yes. 
Yes. The one thing you find out, Doc, in, in this conversation that 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 rings uh, so so prevalent is that David's relationship with God does not exempt him no. from having these challenges. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I, I think he, that's where we mistake our relationship with God. We think that when we come to God, life becomes problem free. Absolutely. Absolutely. Matter of fact, it'll be, it intensifies, you know, um, exactly. Jesus has, Jesus tells his disciples to go into the boat. They, they are in a difficult place because they obey Jesus and they're, they're following his direction. They're his, they're his disciples. Moses finds himself in a difficult place at a dead end following the direction of God. He's God's servant. You know, Moses, my servant, God says in Joshua chapter one. And um, I, I, no, it doesn't exempt us. As a matter of fact, I think it probably makes us uh, greater targets for the attack of the enemy. And not only the attack, the providential arrangement of God to put us in difficult situations, even those things right. that we don't expect. I think my sister, again, I'm going back to what she says. God is going to, the storm is going to be over when God is finished. That implies that God had something to do with that storm. And wow. so I, I think, I think we, we, yeah, we, this, the storm is arranged by God. You know, I think he arranges them. He allows them. So he's sovereign. They're part of his plan. And um, I don't know how we grow without difficulties. How do we build muscles without going in the weight room? I mean, every, every act of obedience is an act of sacrifice. And wow. so that's it's difficulty. So you're absolutely, you raise a very, very, very insightful point. Right? You know, in terms of the expectation that because we come to Christ, we have utopia. We don't, God doesn't promise that. And that's just not the flow of scripture. There's ultimate consummation, but it's not until Jesus removes all of the ill effects of sin in uh, from the earth. And, um, then we'll see you. Then we'll have um, heaven and earth coming together. You know, but I think one of the profound question. I think one of the things in the body of Christ that I have grown in my faith walk is trying to understand the the difference between enemies and foes. Ooh. Um, that wow. uh, they're they're not the same. Mm. And uh, what I've learned is that mm. enemies are easily out identifiable. There are people wow. that we know who might not be in our corner. There are people who are probably overtly um, mm, opposition. Oh, mm, 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 mm. wow. I call them friends of enemies. Mm, they, okay. they, they many times are, they're, they're not known. They are covert. Um, and, and, and work under the disguise of being a friend. Mm-hmm. When in okay. fact they are friends of enemies, and I, I think I that's a very that's a very uh, key observation that I think a lot of times we don't really know who our foes are, mm-hmm. and many times mm-hmm. we think our foes are really our friends mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because we I know understand. who our enemies are. We mm-hmm. we we know who our enemies are. Every every one of us know who who basically our enemies. But that that category of being a foe. And I've learned in my faith walk that I, I have foes that mm-hmm. I never really knew were there. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you think in your in your understanding of it is that one is more readily uh, observed and the other one is more um, cloaked or I, hidden. I think yes. it's I think it's overt and covert. I, I think you. your enemies are are, are overtly and overt. you, you know who they are. They 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 are overt. Mm-hmm. But foes mm-hmm. work against you covertly. I understand. I see. And they may have these emotions, you think, of the enemy within themselves, like uh, hatred or malice within yeah. their hearts, but it's not always expressed in it's, a very clear way. It's not manifest. No, no. I see. It, it's, I see. It's, it's camouflage because many times it, it goes back to what I talk about in my book. And Bishop mm-hmm. Jake talks about comrades, confidants, and constituents. Yes. And, and yes. one thing he talks about is that in life, you've got to know where people place is mm, and, mm, and, mm. and 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 once you identify where they belong put mm-hmm. them in their place and Amen. i think a lot of times we talked about this and when, when i was in south florida that yes. sometimes we we want to be so accepted mm. and so part of the crowd and so part you. of the dynamics of having a mega ministry or a major mm. ministry or mm-hmm. being mainstream Yes, yes, that yes, yes, yes. we miss, we we miss, and we talked about this. Um, yes. That I've discovered that that God can do major work in what Absolutely. we call small ministries. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I'm 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 a living witness of that, and um and you know I remember uh, I say this, and I I'll depart, but uh my uh uh brother H B Charles in um Jacksonville say that when we get before God, God is never going to ask you the size of anything. Um, mm-hmm. he's going he's he's going to simply ask you, were you faithful with what I gave you? Uh, he, yeah, he's he's not interested in the size of anything we have, brother. Well, my brother, wow, that's powerful, Doc. Before I know you got to leave, but before you leave, Doc, uh, if 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 we had listeners that would like to try to reach out to you, do you have a a website, a Facebook page, or a yeah. telephone number certainly. where they may want to contact certainly. you? Yeah, certainly. Uh, uh, they can reach out to me on our church website, uh, Restoring Grace BA as in Baptist dot org. Um, um, or they can uh, call the church and the numbers on there. I do have a Facebook page, Jerome Simonette, and they can also Twitter a Twitter under the same name. So they can uh, reach out to me by those means, and I'll be happy to respond to them. Wow. For those of you who are listening, this has been Suffering and Silence. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Walthar, and we uh, have had on this broadcast tonight my good friend and brother, uh, Dr. Amen. Jerome Simonette. Uh, he is the senior pastor of the Restoring Grace uh, Community Baptist Church in Fort Lauderdale, and we've had a very robust conversation. Uh, Doc, I know you got to go, but before you go, do you have a closing remark, anything you want to say uh, to our listening audience? I just want to say, first of all, to you that I think you're doing a blessed work, and I thank God for what you're doing. And to those who are listening, if you're experiencing depression or you think you have some struggles with with uh, that which, you know, mental health issues, uh there's no need to be embarrassed or afraid, even as a Christian. Reach out to people. There are many persons out there. Even uh, certainly you can reach out to Dr. Walthow and who can put you on the right track and help you to get everything that you need. God loves you. You're still valuable. He still has a plan and purpose for your life to make impact for to the glory of God. So 
feel free to reach out to people who are there uh, who will love you through it and help you through it. Amen. Doc, thank you so much, man. I know you got to go. Tell my my brothers in South Florida, man, I said hello, Doc, and we're looking forward to fellowshipping with you real soon. Absolutely, my brother. Thank you for the privilege, man. Have a blessed evening. You too. Uh, GMAP uh, listening family, thank you so much again for uh, being with us on tonight, and uh, we are grateful uh, to Pastor Kevin Shrouder for this uh, opportunity to have a few more moments uh, tonight. We hope you've enjoyed uh, our good friend and brother, Dr. Jerome Simonette, uh, and we were talking tonight about uh, depression and David uh, in his dilemma, David in his darkness, David in his despair made the declaration that the Lord is his light and and his salvation. And I want you to be encouraged tonight that whatever dark place you might be in, that God is the light of your liberty. Uh, and, and, and he knows just how much you can bear. Uh, he has been there. Uh, you survived what you went through because God was there all the time. Uh, he was the bridge that brought you over. And even when you did not know it was God, uh, God was the silent partner that brought you through. He was the silent witness. He was the silent voice. Uh, he was the silent whisperer that whispered uh, encouragement in your spirit when you had none for yourself. And so David reminds us that the Lord is uh, my light and my salvation. And I want to re- I want to reiterate what Dr. Simonette said tonight. Uh, to make God your focus. Uh, whatever you're going through, make God your focus. Uh, life is is challenging. Uh, again, to our brothers and sisters in the Bahama Islands, they are a living witness that life uh, has ups and downs. Uh, the, the residents of Abaco and Grand Bahama, their lives will never be the same again. Uh, I remember being in uh, South Florida, Hurricane Andrew, uh, uh, August of of of, two, of of 1992, my life changed that 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 night. Uh, Hurricane Andrew came through South Florida. The following day was uh, looked like a bomb uh, had gone off, and 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 there are parts of South Florida uh, that never recovered. But in in the midst of all of that, God was faithful. Uh, we were able to survive it. We were able to rebuild. We were able to, to be renewed and revived and restored. And, and, and sometimes in lives, in our lives, hurricanes uh, come our way. Sometimes the tornadoes of life, and, and they leave us ravaged. They leave us wretched. Uh, they, they leave us uh, just in a place of reproach. But God specializes, my friend, in picking up broken pieces. And he is the great restorer. And so David reminds us tonight to make God our focus. He says, he's, he says God is his salvation uh, and his light. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Not only uh, do you make God your focus, but when you make God your focus, you have nothing to fear. Uh, and, and so don't live your life in fear. Uh, depression causes us to take our focus off God and put our focus in the wrong place. Uh, 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 in the midst of what you're going through, make God your focus. And when you're focusing on God, you have nothing uh, of which to fear. Uh, David says, whom shall I fear? Once he began to focus on God, the fear factor became less of a factor. Um, Once God became David's focus, his fear subsided as his faith increased. 
that's where I want to leave you with tonight. He says, the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Making God your focus delivers us from fear that we may be able to exercise faith in God. David says, the Lord is the strength of my life. In other words, my confidence is not in myself. My confidence is not in my family. My confidence is not in my friends. My confidence is not in my fellowships. My confidence is not in my job. My confidence is in the Lord who gives me the strength to make it day by day. And so if you're coming to a dark place called depression, make God your focus. Uh, You don't have to fear and understand that God honors faith and faith honors God. Again, to our brothers and sisters in the Bahama Islands, uh, uh, we thank God for you. We're praying for you. Uh, those on the GMAP One Broadcasting Network, uh, this has been Suffering in Silence. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Walthour. And if you're interested in uh, reaching out to us, you can call, contact the Shallow Baptist Church. You can go to our website, uh, www.sbcyork, that's Y-O-R-K dot org, and you can contact us through our website. You can go to our social media platform. Uh, you can go to our, our Facebook uh, site, uh, Dr. Larry T. Walthour Ministries on Facebook, and you can reach out to us there. You can also go to our, our own website, www.drltwm.org. That stands for Dr. Larry T. Walthour Ministries.org. Uh, uh, you can also, if you're interested in uh, reaching out to us for our book, Suffering in Silence, you can go to our Amazon page, uh, go to Amazon, type in my name, Dr. Larry T. Walthour, or type in Suffering in Silence, uh, uh, and it will come up. It's a blue book, white uh, uh, writing, white letters, and uh, go to that site. You can download it to your PDF, or you can uh, get a, a uh, paperback uh, through Amazon, or you can go to our website, www.drltwm.org, uh, go to the bookstore, and uh, at the bookstore, you can download it there uh, at that site, uh, paperback or uh, by uh, PDF download. You can also go here on GMAP One uh, Broadcasting Network, go to the bookstore at GMAP One and uh, scroll through the books there. Go to Suffering in Silence, click on the book, and it will take you to the bookstore on my webpage, and you can download it or you can uh, purchase it there. Or you can go to our Facebook page, uh, Dr. Larry T. Walthour Ministries, go to the blue button. Click the blue button. It will take you to our bookstore, and you'll be able to uh, download a PDF or purchase it paperback through those uh, venues. Again, uh, thank you so much for tuning in on tonight. This has been Suffering in Silence. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Walthour, coming to you live from the broadcasting booth right here in York, Pennsylvania. Before I go, I want to give a shout-out to my church family here in York, the Shiloh Baptist Church, greatest church on this side of heaven. Thank you so much for what you do to make us uh, do what we do for the Lord. Also, a shout-out to my family back in South Florida. Been praying for you. Thank God that you've been spared from the storm. Uh, we love you. We'll be seeing you real soon. To my mom, my dad uh, there in Jacksonville and uh, Lexington Park, love you in the Lord. To my sister all the way in Oklahoma, uh, love you as well. To my wife uh, and uh, 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 those uh, who are who are here with me uh, uh, with Community Street Soldiers, thank you so much for hanging out with us on tonight. Uh, and we thank God for you. Again, this is uh, Suffering in Silence. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Walthire, coming to you live from the broadcasting booth right here in York, Pennsylvania. So we're going to close out with a word of prayer, and then we're going to give it back over to our executive producer, Kevin Strouder, holding it down in Chi-Town. Thank you, 
uh, so much for the extra time, my dear friend and brother. We thank God for you. Uh, let us pray. Father God, we thank you tonight once again for this opportunity to come before your people with the spirit of praise, spirit of worship. We come against the spirit of depression and despair, and we pray, oh God, we speak life to those who are in the midst of darkness. David declares that you are our light and our salvation. So we come against uh, fear. We come against the lack of faith because we are decreeing that you become the focus uh, in the midst of the battles of life. We pray, oh God, for our brothers and sisters in the Bahama Islands, uh, Abaco and Grand Bahama. Father, be with them through the rebuilding process. I know you can and I know you will. You did it for us in 1992 with Hurricane Andrew. And Father, the same way you allowed South Florida to recover and to rebuild, we know you're going to do the same thing in the Bahamas. We pray, oh God, for those who may have lost life and loved ones. Father, be the God of all comfort in their lives. Uh, and Father, help us in the body of Christ to give them the same comfort that we have received from you. Father, we thank you, God, for the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. We decree, we declare, uh, and we are determined, O oh God, in the mighty, matchless, and ma majestic name of Jesus Christ, the exalted King and the soon-coming Christ, that we have victory over depression, victory over discouragement, and victory over despair. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. This has been Suffering in Silence. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Walthour, coming to you live from the broadcasting booth here in York, Pennsylvania. And for those who don't know, this is GMAP1 Broadcasting Network, the number one motivational inspirational platform on the planet. Love you in the Lord. Love you family. We'll see you next time. Same place, same channel. GMAP1 Broadcasting Network. See you real soon. God bless you.